What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, we have the VP of Marketing at Browse, a guy named Abbas. He is very knowledgeable in performance marketing, understanding how to build really customer lifecycle and understanding that, okay, you have to acquire a customer, but then how often do they purchase afterwards? How do we retain them? How many purchases do we need them to make before you know we've broken even versus our initial cost per acquisition? I love this conversation. Specifically, if you're a performance marketer, I think this will be of value to you. But before we get into it, as always, we put on this show over here at Cave Social. So I'm going to give us a shout out. And that is the spot where I talk about what we do. So we're a marketing agency based out of LA. We help your company grow online through social media. If you're needing help creating content for social, running your paid advertising, reach out to us at cavesocial.com. We would love to help you out. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting with Abbas from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, a place that's near and dear to my heart. He is the VP of Marketing at Browse. Abbas, how you doing? Doing quite well. How are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing awesome. It's a good day. I'm glad we get to connect. I'm excited. We had a good conversation before we hit record, and I want to get into all things performance marketing. But before we do that, I want to pass the microphone to you hear your story. How did you find yourself into this world of marketing and the, the world of startup marketing? <laughs> definitely, for sure. And definitely not been a linear path in any sort. My journey in online consumer marketing started about six years ago when I finished up business school and joined Comcast and then later Slink TV. Both roles focused on cross-channel customer acquisition strategies and cross-channel media plans. But after those two gigs, I moved back to Pakistan, which is my home country, and joined an e-commerce business that was later acquired by the Alibaba Group. And my time here had two benefits. A, I got a chance to build full-stack marketing experience, not just in customer acquisition, but lifecycle marketing to drive customer retention as well. And B, having worked with very large companies through most of my career, I got a taste of working in a fast-growing startup environment but you need to roll up your sleeves a lot more frequently. And everything has a deadline of like yesterday. <laughs> everything just needs to get done really fast. <laughs> so we moved to Canada about three years ago. And at that time, within a few months of each other, two things happened. I landed a marketing role at Rogers. At the same time, also had a chance to connect with the CEO of Browse uh, and started acting as a growth consultant for him. Later, over the course of the year, Browse moved into conversations with uh, venture funding and raised a Series A round just over a year ago. And at that point, the CEO invited me to come on board full-time, help spearhead the marketing team. And here I am, uh, very fortunate to work with a talented team that inspires me every day. I love it. It's interesting to hear the experience, right? And you're in a startup, you get acquired by Alibaba Group. Was that just like putting rocket fuel into the company? Or into like, was it now like, oh, we're now like, we're big time now? Was that kind of the feeling? Kind of. I would say even before the Alibaba group acquired the startup, we were very focused on growing our top line and acquiring a lot of customers. But what we saw in the business was really a shift in the lens of how we approach growth. Prior to the acquisition, a lot of it was fo focused around what does our customer acquisition cost look like? What is our daily revenue? What's the run rate for the rest of the year? When Alibaba group acquired us, the conversation started to shift a lot around customer retention. 
How much engagement are we driving with our existing customers? How many of our monthly active users are also daily active users? And what does the repeat rate and the repurchase rate of the business looks like? And that's such an important conversation and lens to look at because in order to run a successful business and a successful marketing program, you have to stitch the two sides of the coin or two sides of the story together, which is the unit economics of your acquisition, but also the lifetime value or the repeat rates of the business you're driving. And that's something I think is interesting, right? When we look at, okay, you had that fundamental shift or that addition, not a fundamental shift, but really just another layer of thinking that gets in when you get to, you know, a massive corporation comes in and says, okay, we're now playing by these rules and we start to think differently. And I think that's so important because now you can take that learning and take that directly to browse and say, okay, we're not only worried about like our cost per customer acquisition, but we have to think about those other metrics, right? Those other unit economics of how often are people coming back? Are they going to Amazon? Are they going to Walmart? Are they going to like, what's the differentiator? How do we keep people hooked? Like, so it's not only that cost to acquire, but then, you know, what's our cost to keep people involved? Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. Right. And I'm sure everyone listening to this is going like, oh, like, you know, they've only, they've only thought about that first part of like, we spent this much, we got this many customers, <laughs> but not thinking about that additional layer. So I want to talk to you about that. What do you do from a performance marketing side of things? Or I guess before we do this, let's set the table a little bit here. What is Browse? I'm glad you really asked that because I always try to look for opportunities to tell the story of what uh, the company is up to. Browse is a venture-backed e-commerce startup, as you mentioned, based right here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we play in a variety of categories, ranging from home and kitchen to toys, DIY, small electronics. The company was founded with the intent of providing quality goods at prices much lower than traditional retail. When you think about traditional retail channels, there's so many players in between the factory that manufactures the item and the customer buying that same item. And not only is every middleman adding their own markup, but you also attach a brand premium as soon as there's a label on top of the, uh, the product. And we strip all of that away by connecting the consumer directly with the factories overseas that are manufacturing the items they're buying anyway. So there's no middleman markup and no brand premiums. And there are other established companies that run a similar model of, cross, of what we call cross-border shopping, but they're built on more open or let's say more loosely controlled marketplace models. These models, they're great for growing your assortment really quickly, but you also have to recognize that every seller is not the same, which is where you come across inconsistencies in either your shipping times or your product quality. And that's how we differentiate ourselves and craft our value proposition. To protect your customer experience, Browse will screen every seller we work with. We will screen every item before it gets listed on our platform. And despite all of that, if anything slips through the crack and you're not satisfied with your purchase, we will make it right ourselves, unlike other marketplaces, which may typically redirect your concerns towards the seller. Okay, that makes sense. So, and cutting out all of that middleman, but still having the assurance of working with the brand, that brand being now Browse, to say, we're going to go and get you this, a blender, right? And the blender that's made at the same factory where every company that's at Home Depot gets their blenders made, but we're just going to make it. And we're going to get that same blender and it's going to come without a label at a cheaper price, but you're still going to have that product quality. But it's not, like you said, compared to other marketplaces, there's not the absence of insurance, which a lot of times those places have. When you buy any products direct from a manufacturer or anyone who's started an e-com business shipping things from overseas has learned probably the hard way. So it's nice to have that assurance. Okay, so that sets the table. Now talk to me. 
I, I know you're going to run, you run performance marketing, you get people to come in and, and understand this value proposition, but is there spend now on, on those channels, the same channels to get people to come back? Is there heavy, is it heavy in retargeting? Are you relying heavily on the process to say, oh, the, this is just so much better than anything I've done before. So people come back naturally. I guess walk me through that challenge of getting to people to repeat purchase and what's worked or what, or what tactics, you know, you're maybe if you can't divulge numbers or, but what tactics you believe it? That's a good question. When we think of getting people to come back, ideally you want to build your business in a way that people are coming back organically. And that happens when you're creating a platform experience that has internal triggers and external triggers. The internal trigger is this understanding what the value proposition is for the business, in this case, browse. And the next time a customer wants to think about something uh, to buy other than a blender, they know, you know what, I can go to browse because I got something for cheap. I liked my customer experience, so I'm going to go back and, and purchase something else as well. But then you, marketing comes in and facilitates some of those uh, external triggers as well, which in our case can be a combination of leveraging email marketing really well, or if you are an app user, using push notifications really well. But obviously balancing how careful you are that you are providing your communications from marketing in a way that engages with the customer and is not necessarily intrusive. The way we like to think about is performance marketing from a paid media perspective, for example, can help with the acquisition. So that feeds everything that goes into your retention marketing flows. Then you have your CRM tool that kind of takes over that customer and manages the experience for the next coming months. We will take you through the onboarding process as a new customer, which involves a lot of education and brand building, reinforcing the proposition of the brand, highlighting what are the other things they could buy on the platform. We walk you through your first order experience by having transactional comps, which talk about your shipping, when to expect your item, and potentially any concerns that you might have around the item. We educate you around the resources that are available to you at Browse. Once you kind of move beyond the onboarding, then you flow into a cadence of promotional comps that we will deploy to our customer base, highlighting either new categories or collections we've surfaced, but then also really start to personalize the content you're delivering to them. Because by this point, we have already understood what items you've bought, and what would be the other categories you might have potentially explored while you were on the website. And you want to tap into that data. You want to personalize the comps to make it relevant for the user. That's really where the power of a retention marketing program comes in. When you look into the next stage of lifecycle marketing, at this point, having gone through these lifecycle flows and onboarding and promotional comps, a customer may or may not have made their second purchase again. They may have come back or they may have not. If they don't, then you treat this into a next phase of lifecycle marketing, which triggers into how do we incentivize customers to move towards their second purchase? And you have to develop your hypotheses for it. Is it because there was something wrong in their first order experience? Was it just something that um, they could not find anything else they wanted to buy? It could be that do not like the pricing of what they wanted to buy. So you start segmenting out your approaches of what are the barriers and motivators to bring someone to a second purchase. And you then have a series of comps that move people into that flow to get that second purchase. Is there a target number of purchases that's kind of like the magic number where you know someone buys four times, it's like, okay, now we know they're a customer for life or they're going to be a customer for a prolonged period? I would not say there's a magic number that fits every business. What you have to look at is, and this is where the financials of the business come in. In the case of Browse, for example, I know what my customer acquisition cost is. And I know what the average order value is, as an example as well, for my business. 
that enables me to model out how many future transactions I need to get before I can break even on the first transaction. It's very likely as a growth business and e-commerce, you're not going to break even on the first transaction. You need that repeat business to eventually break even. So it's really stitching that CAC number, the customer acquisition cost, to determine how many future purchases we need and at what average order value. It's interesting looking at exactly how many purchases do we need to have a make back? Or like we always think like if you're doing a subscription business, like make back time, you know, uh, versus your cost per acquisition. Well, you said something is really interesting that I think I, I just want to pull out of, of the car, of kind of that whole outline and life cycle is understanding that there are intrinsic things going on with the customer as well as the external things that you, that a company can actually start to go and act upon. And then lastly, looking at context, right? Okay, this person ordered, and anyone who's listening, think about this in your business. A person just bought a set of plates. Then they bought a set of forks and knives. Maybe they want cups. Maybe, you know, that seems so simple, but there are other, everyone who's listening to this has that in their own business, right? What are those signals, that you can look from, not noise, but signals that you can dive into that'll say, okay, this is context that's personalized that will help this consumer. They're, you know, th- This is gonna help it- them have a better kitchen. And if we think about that from that, how they're enhancing their lives, now we're, we're tapping into kind of their intrinsic motivation, but using some external factors, some data to really push that forward. So I love that. I love that mix that it's really all tied together. Something you also said was looking at those signals to tap and power your marketing programs. One of the things that we also focus on a lot is the solutions that we're building today for retention also have to be scalable. And when you think about customer retention and a customer's, the touch point that a customer has with the business, they're everywhere. They could be interacting with something on your website, on your app. They might have so spoken about something to your support channels or your customer support that is valuable information that can help tailor the experience better for them. They might have commented something on social media. There's a plethora of information that is available that a business may want to tap into. And that's where it really becomes important to develop the architecture and the foundation of your retention marketing program, which often comes through customer data platforms. We use a platform called Segment, which helps unify all of these data points into a central repository. And that becomes the engine that powers all of the personalization that you want to leverage in your retention marketing tactics. Because you want to be able to automate as much of this as you can so that you're building a scalable solution for not just the next 100,000 customers, for the, but for the next million customers as well. It's interesting, right? That like have to scaling personalized experiences. And it seems kind of counterintuitive, but it is the future and it is stuff for the companies that do it really well, right? And that's the, the thinking that we need to approach. And I think any business can do this. It, it's, it doesn't matter if you're a small startup or if you're in a later cycle or you've been acquired or if you're a publicly traded company that's with thousands of employees. I think we have to look at these ways we think about our acquisition, retention, automation, and scalability with not just the computer in mind, but also our consumer psychology, the consumer psychology in mind, and think about how those are intertwined because it's just so pivotal, like you said, to get that that retention that is needed. Abbas, before I let you go, let people know where they can find out more about Browse and connect with you online. Browse.com is where you can definitely get more information about the company. You'll find a nice little story about the background of Browse and the CEO of the company as well. Visit our website to learn more. Anyone who wants to get in touch, very active on LinkedIn every day. Happy to connect. 
Amazing. And I will put uh, links to both of that, both Abbas's profile and browse in the show notes page so you all can go over and connect there. Thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jordan. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Um, 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 um.